From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. Trade law is everywhere. And if you didn't think that before the pandemic, when you don't get your bicycle and you don't get your printer or you can't find your toilet paper, you can think of that now. Welcome back to the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. The pandemic lockdown caused major interruptions to global supply chains for bicycles and parts, just as the demand by public transportation commuters exploded. Changing tariff rules in the Trump administration's trade war with China exasperated U.S. bike sellers' woes. International trade expert Kathleen Clausen peddles us through the morass. Good morning, Kathleen. Welcome back to The Explainer. Morning. Thanks for having me. The pandemic has upended global supply chains. Is is the worldwide economy changed forever? Well, let's start with what actually happened. Of course, the global economy is in a constant state of, of change. Uh, but here are a couple things that we can attribute to the pandemic. Um, we've got the private side of things, and then we've got the, the public side. Of course, they're related. On the public side, we've got over 90 countries that have introduced export restrictions, that is stopping products from leaving, whether they're PPE uh, related to medicines of some variety or, or even food. There have been all sorts of export restrictions that have been put in place. So you have those government interventions as mm-hmm. intended as a temporary matter, but those have created some upheaval, of course. And then you have private entities that had to stop production or shift to accommodate demand of some sort. Or because their inputs were held up, they couldn't get their products made that they as they used to. So, so those all are, were and have been somewhat temporary. They, yes, they've caused some shifts, but some of that may may shift back as well. Okay, um, can we look at just the case of bicycles because that was sort of a, an odd phenomenon, a, a two things sort of converging at once, uh, and kind of look through that lens. I know you love bikes. I love bikes. It's true. It's true. And, and I, I mean, we talked about this with my students last week in the COVID and uh, COVID-19 and the law class. The trade mm-hmm. module was all about sort of how supply chains have shifted and, and these government restrictions I just mentioned. And, and the students noted how hard it was for them to get bikes, some who sought them out now uh, and also printers. And there's a there's a list of things that have been difficult to get. Of course, everyone uh, also knows toilet paper, among others. So so these shifts in consumer demand have led to companies, in some instances, making things they didn't make before, quite frankly. So take a company like Vera Bradley, make the tote bags and and other fabric-y things. Mm -hmm. Um, Now making masks, you can get a Vera Bradley mask. I sent one to my mom. Um, Or you have companies that are making more of one thing than they used to. So some athletics uh, companies, to stay on our our bike example, shifting from uh, making primarily, let's say, shoes to instead making primarily things like outdoor equipment and, and, and bikes. So so some of those uh, shifts have happened to be responsive. That means they're trying to get those bikes to you as soon as they can. There are, of course, 
few industries and services that have been unaffected. Uh, how badly they've been affected depends on what kind of product and from where they source those pieces. So accommodating that demand was the challenge, especially with China going down first. That leads to this delay. Everybody who was relying on China for inputs. And then other places went down and China came back up very quickly. So I've seen one survey that suggested that 75% of manufacturers surveyed reported some sort of supply chain disruption, mm-hmm. but that disruption was reasonably moderate uh, in part because of this diversification that countries, companies rather had moved to different countries and had different opportunities to get these inputs from other places. So it was, it was a moderate disruption, not a severe one. Uh, Perhaps the bigger problem with getting parts and products out of China has been all the rules that have been changing by the Chinese government. These are mostly on PPE, but not exclusively new rules almost daily that businesses had to contend with about uh, airspace and labeling and all these sorts of checks at the border. So so those have been a bit of a headache as well. But hopefully more bikes are on the way soon. Right. Well, part of the, the whole bike conundrum was not just COVID, but also right at the same time was, was it seems like there was a ramping up of, of the trade war, Trump's trade war with China. Well, certainly the rhetoric uh, has shifted and it became an easy scapegoat, I think, for for a number of reasons. But on the one hand, yes, it might have made some of these things more difficult that we're in the trade war already. That is that we've had tariffs on products uh, coming from China now for the last couple of years. But perhaps ironically, that's also made it easier for for some companies. Um, so, so tariffs on the one hand, on the sort of bad side, right? they made it more expensive to get things in. Mm-hmm. Once that became clear that certain things were needed badly, were only available outside the United States, um, th- those tariffs were lifted by the U.S. trade representative over the course of the spring uh, in some instances. So that was the first bad, but became better. The, the, the part of the trade war that might have made the pandemic's problems less bad than they would have otherwise been was the fact that the conflict between the U.S. and China already led to some shifts to move away from from China, that magical word I mentioned earlier, this diversification. So some companies were better off because they had begun to diversify more than they probably otherwise would have absent the the tariffs. So where it's possible to do so, that some some companies that are more sort of people intensive in their work, those are perhaps easier to move to places like Vietnam. Uh, Other businesses that are maybe more tech intensive are, are perhaps harder to move because of infrastructure problems in other places. But still, so you've seen this this growth in Vietnam um, and work in Vietnam and companies doing production in Vietnam over the last couple of, of years uh, and other parts of Southeast Asia and beyond. So when those options have been available, they've taken them. And, and even though there's been a lot of talk of sort of reshoring or nearshoring, it's mostly been uh, these other places. Um, and, and they've taken companies who have done that have taken less of a hit in the pandemic than otherwise might have been the case. Right. What else should we uh, know about the current state of of international trade? Well, how long is the podcast? (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, You talk, we record. (laughs) There is a lot happening. Um, There is never a dull moment in in trade law. And and I could tell you we could talk about all sorts of things here for another hour. But let me just highlight a few. First is 
the World Trade Organization. We've talked about that on the podcast before, um, how the United States um, has been the lead critic of what the WTO, especially in dispute settlement, has been uh, doing. Uh, and, and so the future sort of hangs in the balance, uh, exacerbated by, I think, the, the dynamics uh, of the pandemic, but also global politics more, more generally. They're, they're in a search for a new director general, sort of like their secretary general. Um, and, and so the WTO as, a, as an institution to guide trade law development has is a big question mark right now. And I think that's uh, one area that folks are watching. A second one, I don't need to tell listeners about too much as it's been so present in the news. It's the TikTok WeChat ban. Uh, and, and that is really the latest iteration of the longer standing uh, China-US trade uh, exchange and the battle over technology concern about Chinese tech accessing the uh, private private information of U.S. citizens and others. So folks discovered that TikTok wasn't available for download anymore and soon may disappear completely, depending on how this deal works out. So a lot more going on, of course, with China. And that's just, just one. On the U.S. non-China side, there's negotiations of, of new free trade agreements with the U.K., and obviously Brexit, people watching what's happening there as well. Uh, a new FTA potentially with Kenya, um, seeing seeing that as a potential model for others that would follow on the African continent. And the, the FTA that others, that everyone already knows about that just entered into force in July, the USMCA, the US-Mexico-Canada agreement. The implementation of that agreement continues now uh, despite the pandemic, but there seem to be some growing pains that uh, have yet to be worked out. And finally, the the activity in the Court of International Trade, which is not a court that many lawyers focus on, but it's a New York-based court that deals with tariff-related disputes, part of the federal court system. And it has been very busy, especially in the last week when it got 4,000 new complaints, nearly 4,000 complaints uh, about the tariffs uh, just before the statute of limitations was up uh, on the China tariffs. And so uh, this is a court that deals with usually on average like 350 cases a year. So so this is a big influx of new cases that the court is going to have to work through. Um, some others have already come through dealing with the, the Trump administration trade policy. So there's a list of a half a dozen things to watch, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. Right. Um, what's the future hold and how much of that is contingent on the, the political situation in the United States? Well, on pandemic-related trade measures, I think the biggest question is how long will those measures stay in place? Will they change? I mentioned that the 90 different countries around the world that have put something in place, some of those have been lifted already. But if they don't get lifted or if they morph into something more permanent, you might see dispute settlement arising that is countries suing one another saying whatever the one country is doing is a violation of international trade rules then go back to what I just said about the WTO as somewhat being at a, at a crisis moment. So whether those those cases can be litigated or not is an open question, whether different countries will claim exceptions that will swallow rules. So there's a there's a question mark as to uh, potential disputes over different public measures taken in response to the pandemic, the longer that they are in place. There's also a big question raised by the pandemic that I think 
academics as well as practitioners and governments are thinking about is how actually should our trade law accommodate health crises? Um, and, and part of that is trying to reconcile domestic and international rules on trade for moments like this. And so that's front and center, I think, on the mind of, of minds of some policymakers and scholars who are trying to work through the present moment. The interest will quickly turn, I think, to managing the vaccine. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed here that there is one uh, or more than one and how to distribute that. That will also be become, I think, part of our, our trade law dialogue. As for non-pandemic activities, what does the future hold? I mentioned the, the, the cases in, in the courts that, uh, to watch. Congress, on the other hand, has not taken any opportunity to address some of these trade issues, and it doesn't look like that's going to change uh, no matter what happens in the near term. But election, election, election. <laughs> uh, right. if, if there is a, um, a new president, if there is a Biden administration, you know, China's not going away. So it's it, the China. Uh, so the Biden administration would equally be faced with dealing with with China as an issue. So that might mean a different approach. It might mean the tariffs stay. That's not entirely clear yet from what the um, the Biden team has put out. If a Trump administration, then uh, I think we see we see more of the same. Mm hmm. Great. Uh, is there anything you want to leave our, our listeners to mull over? That trade law is everywhere. And if you didn't think that before the pandemic, when you don't get your bicycle and you don't get your printer or you can't find your toilet paper, you can think of that now. <laughs> That's great. Thanks you so much for sharing your insights. I'll, uh, I'll see you on the bike path, Kathleen. Thanks for having me. See you there. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Explainer. If you love our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's episode is brought to you by Miami Law's upcoming virtual fireside chat, Defining Your Leadership Playbook with NFL legends Mark Trussman, Bernie Kozar, and Jim Kelly on October 27th. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.